Welcome to Generation Ag, a podcast for the future of agriculture. I'm Kayla. And I'm Lavinia. And we're a couple of young Aggies passionate about celebrating our industry and sharing the stories of people who work in it. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Generation Ag. This is another great episode. I think I say this every time. I had a great opportunity to chat with Lockie. Lockie is an amazing shearer and he's actually based in the Victorian Western District. Lockie's been shearing for about four years now and he's actually traveling across Australia and through some pretty rough and interesting properties. So he sees a lot from what he's been doing. Lockie and his family run a farm on Victoria's Western District, which is a fine merino and cattle stud with over 1,300 hectares on two properties. Lockie always didn't really think he was going to end back up on the farms. He actually took a gap year, went to Melbourne and studied events management for a year and then spent another year working in some bars, but he realised the regions were calling him back. So he interestingly ended up shearing. So I'm not going to tell that part of the story. We'll get to that chat in a minute. But impressively now, Lockie has actually just reached his goal of shearing 400 sheep in a day and has huge ambitious targets for what he's going to achieve further. This was such an honour to chat to somebody in shearing who really thrives and loves it and also the sheep and wool industry. We don't often get that opportunity to chat to young, ambitious shearers. So it was really great. So let's get into the interview with Lockie and I'm sure everyone will enjoy it. Lockie, thanks so much for jumping on and joining us on the Gen Ag podcast. We're always super stoked to start our week with some interviews. We always start off our podcast with the same question, and that is for you to tell us a little bit about your childhood and growing up in the regions. Yeah, um, yeah, cool. It's it's cool to be here. Yes, yeah, so I grew up on a farm in southwest Victoria, a little little town called Breakstone. It's about thirty five k's from Hamilton, and just yeah, just your normal. I suppose childhood on a farm, footy, motorbikes, uh, basketball, all that sort of stuff, climbing trees. Yeah, really, really lucky to grow up on a farm. Really, really lucky, I reckon. Yeah, what do you <laughs> think some of your favourite childhood memories are that you just really look back on and go, God, I had a good time? Yeah, probably just tearing around on little motorbikes and driving the ute when I was really, really young. Yeah, just the freedom to do what we wanted, really. Climb trees and, yeah, I suppose I haven't got one distinct memory, but all of them all together, I know I just had a very good upbringing. I'm very fortunate. Yeah, and so for you, did you do your schooling in the regions or did you go away to boarding school? What was sort of your life as a teenager, sort of becoming a young adult? No, nah, I, I didn't go to boarding school. I stayed uh, around here, which I'm glad I did. Yeah, had a great time all through school. Wasn't very good at school, um, but I had a really good fun time. <laughs> Lots of mates. I was looking at going away to boarding school, but I'm really, really stoked that I didn't because um, just formed those friendships better down here. And yeah, I think I'm happy with that. <laughs> so you didn't go away to boarding school, but I read that you actually went away to university, didn't you, to study before yeah. you even considered going back into agriculture. Can you tell me a little bit about your actual relationship with agriculture in the early days and sort of what 
that was for you in potentially not attracting you to the industry? Yeah, well, I wasn't dead set on it at all when I was young. Really didn't. Dad never forced myself and my brother to get out there on the farm and do it. So I really didn't, I don't know, I always enjoyed it, but never was dead set on it. So once I got towards year 11 and 12 and stuff, I couldn't wait to move out, move to the city. I had a gap year on the farm after year 12, which is the only, the main time where I actually started to really enjoy it and realise how how cool it is and got a better appreciation for it and had a great gap year but couldn't wait to get to Melbourne and went up to Melbourne for two and a half years, nearly three years, I think. And, yeah, I knew I'd, I suppose I'd, the end goal was always to be a farmer eventually, but, I'd, yeah, I wasn't, wasn't dead set on it for ages. Just didn't really pay it much thought, actually. <laughs> all about having fun and, you know, going out and all that sort of stuff. Why do you think that it wasn't something that you were dead set keen on? Because most farmers, it's like in the blood, it's the only thing they've ever thought about. Whereas you chose a completely different pathway, not even in really completely in business. You chose event management. What was sort of the decision <laughs> behind that? Yeah, event Matt, that was just an excuse to live in the city. That wasn't, I didn't care much about this, the subject or have, I had a little bit of an interest, like, I like going to festivals and things like that. Um, but, yeah, that was just an excuse to move to Melbourne because um, all of my mates, well, a lot of them moved up there studying their own courses um, and I just wanted to go with them. Yeah, I'm not sure why I wasn't hell-bent on, on farming from a young age. I just, yeah, I don't know, Pro- probably more interested in, you know, just having fun and doing what we wanted, not being locked down to the farm initially anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of people can relate to that. I'd love to move forward to you coming back to the farm, but your first experience really getting into shearing and how did that come about? Could you tell us that story? Yeah, so as I said, I've been in Melbourne two and a half years, nearly three years, and I was having a ball, like having a really good time, but I was always, you know, flat broke. I had no money. Yeah, it's pretty expensive living up there and I wasn't working much. I was doing a little bit of bartending, a bit of labouring, a little bit of retail as well. But yeah, I just never had much money and I was just having heaps of fun, but I wasn't really heading towards anything, if you know what I mean. So after the two and a half years, I was sort of wanting to reconnect with everyone back at home and yeah, make a fair bit of money at the same time. But I wasn't quite ready to start working with dad, like to just lock myself into the farm. Yeah, I thought I didn't actually, dad planted the idea. <laughs> he said, What about shearing? I thought, Oh, yeah, like I suppose I'll give it a go and thought about it more and more and thought, Yep, that's going to be my best way to get home, reconnect with everybody, and yeah, make money at the same time. So without being locked into the farm. So it just sort of started from there and it just grew into this huge big obsession I suppose and shearing is a really high valued skill how did you sort of learn that skill because yes it's something that's taught but it's really something that only few people really grasp the concept of particularly now as we're moving into 2022 and really being even more conservative with how we look after our livestock how did you sort of work on your skill to get to where you are? Like you're almost sharing 400 sheep a day, which is pretty phenomenal. Yeah, thanks. It just started off at the very basics. I asked Dad for some sheep. I think it was 200 or 300 sheep. And I was just by myself in the shed for, oh, it took me a week, probably longer than that to shear them. 
and it was horrible. I just hated it. It wasn't working. Um, yeah, it didn't go too well, but I sort of kept at it and got a stand at home for our main shear at home and did that. And then it sort of kept growing from there. And I did a few schools. I did three or four shearing schools and that sort of helped, definitely helped get my keenness for it. And then I got a stand with a local contractor and yeah, it just eventuated from there. I, I just picked the brains of all the shearers I was with, asked heaps of questions and yeah, did more schools and workshops, like some trainers would come out to the shed um, and there'd be little one day courses and things like that. And it just all slowly, like just little stepping stones and you start doing a little bit better and your body and your mind gets a bit more used to it. And then probably after my first year, my body was used to it and I started to enjoy it more. It just escalated from there. Just, yeah, over the next couple of years, just got obsessed with it, completely obsessed with it and couldn't get enough training, couldn't get enough help. Yeah, I just, yeah, really, really got obsessed. That's all I was interested in. All I would watch movies at night and all I'd think about before I go to bed, like it was just shearing, shearing, shearing. I bloody love it. What is it that you love? Like, why are you obsessed with it? What is that one thing that you're like, you're living and breathing? You're like, just even talking to you now, you can just tell it's you froth speaking about it. Why <laughs> shearing? Because I think it, it's definitely something that a lot of young people are not really that interested in anymore. Why for you does it just light you up? Um, there's a combination of things. Like, I love the, I love the routine of every day. Every day is the same. And you can really test yourself, like you can push yourself to your limits and then once you overcome them, it feels really, really cool, like feel quite proud of yourself. And just the camaraderie with everyone in the shed, like freedom of speech, you can say whatever the hell you want. And just everyone working together really hard. It's, I don't know, just a really cool feeling. Got the music going and everyone's working their ass off and, yeah, by the end of the day, have a beer and have a laugh and it's it's just a great industry to be in um the people were just amazing like everyone you meet is so kind and so nice and want to help you uh everyone wants to build you up it's a really supportive good industry and i just love it i love the workout like it's like a sort of sport for me now like every day is a bit of a workout you know you set goals set tallies you want to get each run or each day a week or whatever it is and work towards them and when you tick them off it feels really good yeah, it's probably just the rewards you get from the job overall would be why I like it. There's heaps of them. <laughs> You've been able to do a little bit of travelling and, you know, see different environments because, you know, livestock on a small farm versus you yeah. know, a big station, completely different. What have some of those experiences been like and what's been really interesting about the diversity within the job? Yeah, that's been the amazing part of it. Like initially I didn't, wasn't too keen on traveling. I just wanted to stay in my little um, safe zone. But once I started doing it, I, I just fell in love with it. I really did. Just the parts of Australia you can see, just the country or different towns, but different sort of places than the normal tourist destinations. Like it's all off the grid sort of stuff. No phone service. Yeah, I love it. You're just out there in the sticks, shearing sheep. It's just fantastic. I've, lo- I've really loved traveling especially Queensland. Queensland's in the winter, like down here, it's freezing cold and wet. So I normally shoot up to Longreach and Winton for three or four months and just have a bowl. It's just, yeah, as I said before, you're off the grid and 
I don't know. You're just there with your team and, yeah, I just really, yeah, fallen in love with it. Kangaroo Island is another bloody beautiful place to share. Like, they're, they're sort of just like working holidays, I call them. You choose a town or choose a place and you go there and you're working, yes, but you just, yeah, I just love it. It's really cool. And with that, what is it like shearing up in the north and some of those bigger stations versus differences, I guess, with the smaller broadacre farmer in Victoria? What what are some of those differences day to day? Because I think that a lot of people probably don't realise the, the breadth of what you're doing on a day-to-day, getting through all the sheep. Yeah, um, the difference, the big stations up north, um, well, some of them, the facilities are pretty shocking. Like, yeah, the running water's not much of a thing and <laughs> I don't know, the beds are all those old school wire beds and it's pretty rough and ragged, but it's also really, you feel very lucky to be doing it, I reckon. It's just that the challenges would be you haven't got all the normal comforts of home at all. Even not, like you don't have your friends or other support bases or anything like that. It's just you're there doing the work with your crew. And if you're with a good crew, it's awesome. It really is. But if you're with a bad one, it's not that much fun. But I haven't had a bad one yet, so I've been lucky. But, yeah, just the, the challenges, I suppose, would just be the remoteness. Yeah, but it forces you to adapt and once you get through it all and you come back, you appreciate all the little things you've got at home, like things you take for granted, like a nice shower and a nice bed and Wi-Fi and all that sort of stuff. Um, you just don't have it up there. Yeah. Like some of the places in Queensland, they use a donkey to heat the your hot water up. So you don't even have a hot water system. They've got to keep this fire outside with coals. You've got to have it at the right sort of temperature to, to get a hot shower and things like that. Really old school sort of stuff. But, yeah, as I said, it makes you appreciate everything and how lucky we've got it back here at home. At least you're getting a hot shower. That's, uh, that's a miracle yeah, yeah. in itself. <laughs> yeah, so, I sometimes bet. you don't. Yeah. yeah. I don't doubt it. Um, yeah, I'm sure I've heard some stories. But, I mean, coming off the back of that, the livestock industry is rapidly changing and I guess you've probably, being a young person yourself as well, we've seen a lot of stuff change in the last couple of years. What are you guys sort of seeing change in the shearing team that is really good or maybe things that make it a little bit more challenging? What what are you sort of, and are you guys having in your team's conversations around all these changes? Yeah, well, the the changes are, are good, like, we're starting to get paid pretty well, like really well actually now, um, sort of from $3.50 to $4.50 a sheep, sort of depending where you are. Even some places in New South Wales are doing, yeah, $5 a sheep. So you can make a lot of money there. And the facilities and stuff are pretty good down here, like around Victoria, and, um, SA and New South Wales. But the higher up you get, the more old-fashioned they are. They're really sort of 50 years behind the times up there, which is pretty yeah, – it's strange because a lot of other industries you wouldn't have to work in those conditions or live in those conditions, but we all sort of just, you know, put up with it. Um, but that it is changing. It's definitely getting better. Other changes I'm seeing is probably like the young shearers coming in compared to the older shearers. We've got a, a lot different approach and it's good to see young guys, sort of suppose like myself, um, treating it a bit more professionally and a bit more like a sport you know, stretching every morning and eating well and recovering well, looking after your body and, you know, resting up on weekends and getting ready for work the next week. As opposed to the old school, like 
drink 15 stubbies every night and, you know, just <laughs> roll into work and start shearing straight away and then they wonder why their back's buggered when they're 50. So, yeah, that's a good change that's coming in, I reckon. What about uh, the sheep and livestock, the handling? Have, have you seen a lot of changes there too? Uh, the sheep are big. Yeah, the sheep are getting bigger, definitely, which is a shame because some of the crossbred ewes are getting enormous, so it puts more strain on your body. But, yeah, other than that, I think ahead, things are heading in the right direction. People are trying to get more plainer sheep, and which are easier to shear. The, the whole mules in thing, that can be troublesome sometimes because some farmers will mules one year and then all of a sudden they stop and the next year they're not mules and they're a bit harder to shear. But, yeah, probably overall is just the big shape. But I don't know really what to do about that, to be honest. We just, yeah, just put up with it. Yeah, I guess that that's something that starting to have these conversations, that's when you start to realise what the challenges are and then yeah. it comes from the top. I think people just raise like if they're really enormous sheep or really tough, they'll just raise the price up accordingly. So we get compensated that way, which is good. Yeah, that's awesome. And that's really good to that the farmer shows the value of you guys as well, because that's probably yeah. really important. Most of them do, not all of them, but most, yeah, the good ones. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's really an interesting point for my next um, question, which is around something that I've heard a lot recently going to different grower groups and I think it's something that's happening on a national level is people are really struggling to gain shearers and it's probably the biggest challenge for wool growers in the industry. What are your thoughts around this? Well, attracting shearers shouldn't, should be pretty good at the moment just because of the money that we can get. So yeah, we're getting, there's lots of incentives there for the money, but yeah, the main attraction should be just be the lifestyle. I reckon like so many people would, yeah, would love the lifestyle where you can just travel around anywhere you want. You can choose a town and get a job just like that because there's such a high demand for shearers. Yeah, it's not even funny. But I suppose for just people just getting into it is the is the tough tough part. Just starting, they might might they'll be a bit too daunting. I suppose. But yeah, I couldn't advise it any higher to anyone. You know, it's the best job in the world. I reckon. So, what would be your best piece of advice for people wanting to go into the industry? Yeah, just be kind, you know, be kind, be honest, ask heaps of questions, ask as many questions as you can. There's no such thing as a wrong question. Uh, work hard and, and stay humble. Just, yeah, don't go in there pretending like you know what you're doing and stuff. Go in there right from the start, be a sponge, soak it all up. And everyone, literally everyone will be more than happy to help every single day with little tips, little bits of advice, anything to make you better. Just, yeah, you just got to get out there and give it a go because, yeah, once you're in it, like once you've got a stand or your wool handling or classing or whatever, everyone will, yeah, everyone gets around you and brings you up because we want learners. We want as many people as we can get. <laughs> so I suppose, yeah, don't be, don't, don't be scared. Just have a go. Yeah, for sure. So would you say the first step would be go to a shearing school and actually learn how to shear or yeah. you know, go and be, learn how to be a wool class or like go and get your certificates first? Um, it depends what you want to do, I reckon. Yeah. Some yeah, some people go down the route of being a wool handler first, um, being a rouse about and then, you know, slowly uh, shearing the last leg for a shear or the belly or whatever and going from there but I reckon if you want to just if you want to be a shearer straight away just get into a shearing school and go from there do as many as you want as many as you can they Mm -hmm. start them down from novice up to improver so and once you're in there in the system the trainers and everything they keep they keep an eye on you and they check up 
they come out to your shed and it just spirals from there. It really does. But yeah, definitely shearing school would be the first point of contact. Yeah, awesome. That, and that's really great to hear that there's so much support around that too and that there's people in the industry that want to see young people like yourself really thrive. Which, yeah, yeah, bloody hell. That's awesome. What do you think have been some of the most unexpected parts, parts that you've really enjoyed with your job? Unexpected parts? I probably I didn't expect how rewarding it would be. Just, you know, you're finishing a hard day's work or, you know, a difficult shed or a difficult day and you overcome it, whatever battle you've had during the day just the pride you get at the end once you've finished. He's like, yeah, I got through that. It was all good. Sort of, yeah, on to the next challenge. Um, and I didn't I didn't expect, yeah, the travel. I didn't expect to like the travel. As I said before, I thought I'd just stay in my comfort zone. But once you get out there and you're on a camp out, I don't know. I just really started enjoying it. And the places you can see all over Australia, like all these outback little towns, tiny little pubs, all these really, really cool things that, I got to go see because of work, but it was also like just a huge big holiday as well. And another surprise was the sort of the limits you can push yourself to, both mentally and physically. I had no idea. Like at the time, it's really horrible if you're going through like whatever the challenge is. But yeah, as I said before, once you finish it or overcome it or the day is over, you feel really, really proud of yourself. And then it leaves you not as scared of the next thing that pops up. So. Yeah, and I, I probably didn't expect it to have such a big impact on my life. Like I thought it'd just be a job, but now it just consumes my whole life. I'm just obsessed with it. Uh, sheep shit on the brain, they would say. <laughs> <laughs> you just love that shearing shed smell, don't you? Yeah, I do. I do. And <laughs> yeah, just the, everyone involved, the camaraderie, have a laugh. Music's pumping. Like it's just a really fun, fun, good job. Yeah. I think if anyone listening hasn't experienced a day in a shearing shed yet, it's something that like it should be a bucket list item. Like you've just got to see it firsthand because yeah. it's I pretty agree. a very cool experience. Yeah, yeah. And so many, like I've got a lot of mates in the city that don't even know what it is, like what shearing even is. Um, yeah. And I, w- I really wish they could see it because it would blow them away, I reckon. Yeah, you're so right, definitely. Why do you think that is that shearing hasn't attracted a lot of young people in the last few years? Ah, because it's hard. (laughs) It's hard work. I reckon plain and simple, it's a pretty hard, daunting job to look at before you've started. But before you're actually in the shearing industry, in the circle, I suppose, it's quite daunting. And they might people might have the perception of shearers just to be old, drunk old fellas that, that just slave away every day, but... It's not like that at all. Mm. It really isn't. Mm. Um, I think, yeah, main point would just be the hard work. People, times are changing and people can get jobs in heaps of different fields, get paid quite well to not work too hard. So physically, I mean, but I really couldn't recommend it any more highly to anyone, anyone wanting to have a go because, yeah, it beats every other job, I reckon. I think you have just something's come over you, Lockie. You've got the magic <laughs> for like loving shearing and sheep. Yeah, if know. you're passionate and you love sheep, it's just something, I don't know, you guys that love your sheep, once you're there, you can't get it. It's the same thing with cattle or any other animal. Once you love it, you're never leaving, are you? That's right. Spot on. Yeah. For you, what do you see for the future for yourself? Obviously, shearing's definitely a part of that, but are you going to be going back to the farm as well? What do you think will be seeing for you in the next few years? Yeah, 
Um, well, I'll definitely soon always be in my life. Like I'll never, never stop it, but I will have to going forward, do a lot more farm work because I've just, I've been sharing four years, done no farm work at all, really. Um, and I need to start helping out my dad and my brother. So going forward, I think I'll try balance it, try to do a bit of 50-50 farming and shearing. I'm not really sure how it'll look at the moment, but that's what the goal is going forward. I never want to stop it, but I definitely have to start moving more into the ag- agriculture side of things. Um, I'll be 26 soon, so I need to start getting my head around that part of it, which is exciting in, it, in itself, like it really is. But it's mm. also going to going to be quite hard to I don't move away from the sheds. Yeah, but it's 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 a good problem to have. Yeah, I mean, being in the industry you love now, and then being able to immerse yourself in it more, it's pretty cool. Mm. For someone wanting to get in touch with you and learn more about shearing, or just chat to you about your experience, if they are listening and thinking it might be something worth for them, where should they go? Well, there's a page called Shearer Wool Handler Training. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the best point of contact. A bloke called Glenn Haynes is a bloke, is a fellow that runs it, um, and he's an absolute legend. He was really couldn't speak more highly of him. Um, he runs all the schools and the training, and mm-hmm. pretty pretty much knows everyone, you know, in the industry where wherever you want to go. So that's the fellow you want to speak to, Glenn Haynes. Yeah, um, for sure. Yeah. More than me. I'm only sort of new. He, he knows what he's doing. Well, but then in, in, that's in South Australia and Victoria. They do heaps of schools. But if you're in New South Wales, a bloke called Wayne Hosey, I think I haven't met him, but he does a lot of schools in New South. And then Queensland, Trevor and Sean Bacon, they're doing a couple of schools around Barcolden and Quilpie. But, yeah, Glenn Haynes is the man. Cool. Well, Lucky, thank you so much for sharing your insight. As I said at the beginning, this is our first Shearer on the podcast and it's been pretty cool to chat with you and hear about how the industry is going. And I think you're definitely someone people are going to want to know a little bit more insight in. So we definitely keep tracking your story as you go. <laughs> uh, cool. Yeah, thank you very much. So, um, no worries at all. Never, never done one of these podcast things, but yeah, thanks for that. No worries. Well, that's what we're all about, you know, just sharing the story of ag with everyone. So it's been a pleasure that you've been able to take time out of your schedule to fit us in. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Generation Ag. We hope you loved it. If you did, don't forget to visit our guest bios page on our website where you can get all of their contact information. And if you have an idea for another guest in the future or a story that you want to hear, you can get in touch with us via our email, which is hello at generationag.com.au. Don't forget to follow us on our socials at generation.ag. That's Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. And if you've loved this episode as well, you can share it with your friends on your socials and make sure to subscribe to us on the podcast app and leave us a review because that all really helps as well. Thanks, guys. Bye.